Welcome back to Privy. Privy is a podcast about bathrooms, recorded from my home bathroom. I'm your host, Hunter Hoover, and I love bathrooms. Welcome back to Spoop Tea Season. Uh, remember, it's Spooptober. Uh, that's like spook and poop combined. And as it turns out, the spoop, the, the excuse me, pardon me, forgive me, Father. Um, the term spoop, spoopy is already a thing, um, as far as I can tell. Really unfortunate that I went for the spooptober. This is what happens when you're old and try to use the internet. Um, but as far as I can tell, spoop is refers to things that are like traditionally spooky, but are done in like a cutesy way to make them spoopy instead. You know what? Whatever. We're here for the word poop. Spooptober. And this month on Privy, we're discussing some of the weird and scary and mysterious things that relate to bathrooms. And I want to give a brief update. Uh, at the time of this, of you hearing this episode, All Hallows' Eve is, is upon us. We will be donning our, our, our vestiges, dressing up, to go out on the streets and beg, nay, verily plead, and it would seem threatened, trick or treat, Something, something, give me something good to eat. It's like, give me a dang candy or I'm going to, I'm going to leave something on your doorpost. You know, it's borderline a threat, but I I digress. Last year, we talked about eating too many Haribo sugar-free bears and how that's going to diarrhea you. Today, we're going to go for something a lot more spookier. I'm going to get real with y'all today. But before we do that, I want to note here at the top, just kind of some, some bathroom things just some just some quality of life things i want to note and and this is just that you know this is just from one bathroom enthusiast and user to just the public and whoever cares is this when you walk into a bathroom and you turn on a faucet keep in mind that you turned the faucet on and that if you did turn it on, it doesn't magically become an automatic faucet when you leave. Because I have walked into so many bathrooms, bathrooms that should only be used by adults because of their location and the key that is required to get into it, with the water just running. And it's like, did you forget? Like, can you figure it out? It's, it's, a, it's a marvelous, marvelous wonder. Anyway, today we're going to start this off, this, this, this episode right before the spooky one with something that, that I'm going to, I'm going to bear my heart on my sleeve. I'm going to, I'm going to leave the, no, I'm not. I'm going to flush the turd, but I'm going to, I'm going to figuratively leave it in the toilet for you. We need to talk about Bigfoot. We just need to talk about him to give a brief history of Bigfoot, it, to do so is similar to asking how the world got here. I mean, depending on who you ask, you're going to get a lot of different answers about what or who Bigfoot is and where did it come from or he come from or she come from. Also, because much of the history of Bigfoot 
is tied specifically to the area in which the people who write its existence come from, it's going to differ as far as the discoveries differ based on where those discoveries are made. However, it is accepted that most Native American cultures have a story or an account of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. For my purposes, I might call him Sam Squanch. That is built into their view of the world. It is as if when they tell their story, there is Bigfoot involved. There are drawings of folks, stories about the giant hairy men. Some of these stories depict the hairy ape man as dangerous, while others as a wild creature to be respected, but not necessarily hostile. Many of these stories go back 500 to 1,000 years here in America, before we were America. America is big, and this both helps and makes the accounts of Bigfoot complicated. Because while having a number of agreeing points spread so far abroad in a time where passing information is very slow and difficult, back then, it does lend some credibility, like, what I mean by that is when all these stories about Bigfoot were first coming online, and by online I mean offline because online hadn't been made yet, they, they were passed by word of mouth or they arose up in separate corners of the country where passing them by word of mouth would have taken a long time. It lends credibility. But we also start to see regional variation on the accounts. One account from Spanish and Mexican settlers in California talk about a group of tall, hairy creatures called the Watchers, presumably for the activity they did to interact with those explorers. Now, I do not believe that this is referring to the same Watchers that, that would be included in the, like, biblical-slash-pseudo-biblical, like, cryptozoology Watchers. For more on that, there's plenty of other podcasts out there. Today we're talking about Bigfoot. But they called these things the Watchers, presumably because they would like stand in the bush and creep on you a little bit. Like they were, that's their way that they interacted with these explorers. Other accounts of the explorers note the loud screaming sounds these creatures made. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine being an early explorer and you're just like camped out on the edge of the woods? And you just hear, just out of nowhere. Could you have imagined that? Like, you want to talk about poop, there it is. You found it. You know what I'm saying? The main name of this creature, the Samsquamsh, Sasquatch, is actually a Stisali's word. Now, I know that I didn't get it right. And I apologize to their people, but. It's S-T-S-A-I-L-E-S, Stathalis, 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 people, I'm sorry. They're an indigenous population of the southern British Columbia, northern Washington area. The term Sasquets was later anglicized by the anglicizers, and it translates roughly to the hairy men, the Sasquets, the Sasquatch. As time progressed and the area began to be more inhabited, encounters with the Sasquatch saw an increase. 
Writings from 1847 detail a group of large cannibalistic wild men in Washington, and in 1924, when there was a report of a hairy ape man ransacking and attacking a Washington beaver trapping camp. This area is now referred to as Ape Canyon. Now, if you've ever been to the Pacific Northwest, you're going to notice two things. The first is, my goodness, is it still raining? And the second is, there's a distinct lack of ape activity. So for a canyon in this area to be called Ape Canyon, well, you could see why it would stand out. So these Sasquatches were public enemy number one for many of these settlers as they, uh, I mean, probably bears and wolves and stuff, but like, I mean, these things are screaming at you, you know, I scare the duty right out of you. But the term Bigfoot did not begin to be used until 1958. That's so recent. It's so recent to believe that that's even a real thing to have said. In 1958, a logger out of California discovered a huge footprint, a big footprint, if you will, in the dirt. And those at the logging site and the stories told from there referred to the creature who created it as the Bigfoot. Most of these sightings occur right here in the Pacific Northwest. This, this recording is coming to you live from Bigfoot country. We're in it, the Pacific Northwest. And while there have been thousands of sightings to date, it should be noted. Most, if not all, of these sightings are doubted or claimed as hoaxes. There have been alleged Bigfoot sightings outside the Pacific Northwest, and as such, Many of these different parts of the world have names for this beloved or feared creature. Some of these names include the skunk ape, the swamp ape, grass man, boggy creek monster, foe monster, swamp stalker, wood booger, monster of Whitehall, Momo, honey island swamp monster, Cajun Bigfoot, big muddy monster, old man of the mountain, wood ape, bush man, tree man, ape man, sasquatch, or... For our purposes here, the Bigfoot. Behavior of the Bigfoot, again, differs depending on who you talk to. Is the Bigfoot just an elusive creature? Is he like some sort of weird bridge in between humans and something else? Is it simply just an animal? Or are these things supernatural? Like, depending on who you ask, is changes your your response or better yet is the bigfoot just a scare story whipped out of control by long-standing stories of the past be careful in the woods there's bigfoots out there now we're not here to debate bigfoot god knows there has ha that has happened long enough and i have found debating and arguing for or against Bigfoot does little to change a person's mind. But you know what does change a person's mind on Bigfoot? Is having a weird encounter for themselves. This brings us to Hunter's Anecdotes to keep you afloat. I 
have two stories to tell you. Um, and you can consider these my going public and coming clean on Bigfoot stories. First, the year was, I want to say 2010, but it might have been 2009. It's hard to remember, but it was the summer before or after. It was, it was the summer surrounding my sophomore year. That's all I can tell you. And some of my friends and I who were attending the youth group were were planning to go to a missions trip to inner city Denver to do some some just charity work and other things there. But we had to raise money. And our youth pastor, shout out Joe, Joe Noel, um, he was was working diligently to set up these work projects for us to raise money to go on the missions trip to Denver. And one of these one of these work projects was we were laying fence for some folks in Fort Shaw, Montana. Now, we had spent a considerable amount of time there digging posts and trying to clear some area. And as I remember it, we didn't get the job done, but it was very much one of those things where like we had contributed, we had saved this person a little bit of labor. And so they paid us even though like, okay, yes, thank you. Your youth group came out, that type thing. Um, but as we were like, people were cleaning up, we, we had a little bit of time. We said, Joe, we're going to go take a walk up the butte. And so me and my two to three friends, um, set out walking up the butte in Fort Shaw, Montana. Now I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have reached out to two of these friends to try and verify this memory. And neither of them remember this. But I remember it very distinctly. We were walking, and my friend David, this is my memory of it, stopped dead in his tracks and was looking down on the ground at some, some, something in the ground. And, and we walk up on it, and it's just this huge footprint. Like, it, you could see toes. And everybody I've told this, they're like, oh, well, it was just a bear. Listen, we grew up in Montana. It was not a bear print. We know what a bear print is. It was too long and slender to be a bear print. This is not a bear print. And we didn't know what it was. And it, I just remember it instantly kind of freaked our being like, we better head back. And one of us took a picture of this, and I thought it was me. But unfortunately, and I... And I've also, I get, oh, that's convenient. But like, it was, again, 2010. I was still operating on a slider phone. Like, I hadn't got my first smartphone yet. And I didn't transfer these pictures when I got my new phone. I was like, punk kid, you're going to go to college? Forget this phone. I got an iPhone now, baby. Like, And so I, if I can find this picture ever in my history of time, I, I will share it with you. I'm. But it was just this like foot plus long barefoot print in the ground. And we split like woofy back to this house because we are, are, we just had our bean cooked a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And we never said anything about it. I never said anything about it. And I kind of took that memory to heart for a long time. Um, and it kind of just lived rent free in the back of my brain for, for longer than I would have hoped. Flash forward to hearing and, and learning a lot of these like stories of these avid hunters in the state of Florida, seeing this skunk ape and these other things. 
And it reminds me of that eerie feeling that I had. And then one day, I'm sitting there and in college, and, and we're telling stories. And one guy, he gets real serious. I can't remember his name. Um, but I just remember he got real serious, and he started telling this story. And, and most of the people in the room, and rightfully so, they kind of like, oh, yeah, like, here we go. You know, they're kind of playing it off. And I get it. But as I'm listening to him tell this story, I'm like, man, I've had this exact feeling. And, it, and I remember the day that, that I saw this print. And I, and I asked him about the footprint in his. And he's like, dude, that's exactly what I saw. This guy was from, was from Washington area. I'm, I was from Montana. Never met him before. Don't really had ever talked to him. And then, uh, flash forward a year or so later, uh, my... I can't remember if it was my fiance at the time or if it was my best friend driving from in between the gorge just outside of Helena, Montana. So as you approach Helena from the south, you got to drive through these like canyon like gorges. And and it was, you know, it was not fully light out. It was kind of dark. But I just remember this thing was in the road and it was tall. And. And it seemed to be on two legs. And then it just went straight up the side of the hill. And, and I'm like, I thought it was a person, but a person can't do that. And I just kind of logged this away in my memory. I just let it sit there. And then one day I'm, I'm sitting and I'm listening to another podcast, um, Blurry Creatures. Uh, to shout out Blurry Creatures would be, would be a wild move since they are very, very much more well-known than what I'm doing here. But I'm listening to this and I'm listening to one of their scientists on the show describe how the Bigfoot has like a hinged foot and can like traverse hillsides. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like that's exactly what I saw. And I've heard a number of stories after that, that of people that are like, man, I don't know what I think, but it sure does make me think a lot. I have no desire to go looking for Bigfoot because it is to my understanding that it is both big and could do some serious damage. This has been a different Hunter's Anecdotes to keep you afloat. Here's the other thing. If Bigfoots are out there, and I tend to think that they are, we found fur and footprints and other things that we suspect belong to these Bigfoots. But here's the thing. Living creatures, particularly living creatures who eat, leave behind something that is not shy, that we're not shy to discuss here on Privy. <laughs> and so it, we beg the question, and we asked this around Christmas time last year of Santa Claus, and now we ask it of the Bigfoot, do Bigfoots poop? And if so, have we ever located a Bigfoot poop? And it turns out someone has, or I will admit, at least he has claimed to. Cherry Log, Virginia is home to the Visiting Expedition Bigfoot Museum. And you can look at all sorts of weird things people have found or discovered pertaining to the Bigfoot. One of the, the best pieces on display here, though, for our purposes here, as enthusiasts of the bathroom here at Privy, one of the, the finer pieces on display is an almost 
three-foot-long turd labeled the Sasquatch feces. This piece was found and submitted to the museum by Dr. Matthew Johnson. Now, in his YouTube video documenting where and when he found the piece of poo in 2016, he discusses a bit about why no one has really found or shared their findings pertain- relating to a Bigfoot turd. First, think about it. Like, you're walking along in the woods and you look down and you see a turd. Like, in this case, a long, possibly piled turd. Like, the last thing that you would do would be, you know what, I, you know what? You know what, though? Hey, you know what, though? I should probably pick that up and stick it in my bag with all of my personal belongings and towed it back home for research. Like, there's the first reason. These aren't being tracked in because they're poop. Now, nowadays we have phones. I wish I would have had a phone of the caliber we have today back when I was in high school. But it would take less than 30 seconds to snap a picture of the Sasquatch's hot, steamy pile But there are scientists out there looking for this crap, actual crap. So what's the deal? First, much like when I talk about science and doctors, I need to preface here. I'm not a Sasquatch expert. Those people do exist, and I'm not him, so there. But my guess is, we see animals bury or organize their poop in such a way to not interact with it. Cats bury it. We talked about how wombats will stack it. Prairie dogs have special little places where they take their poop or or lay their poop at in their burrows. So what's to say the Bigfoot doesn't do something similar? Perhaps the Bigfoot has a cleanliness understanding or functions like one of these animals and deals with their poop so it is not found. Perhaps the Bigfoot is intelligent enough to understand the need to not interact with its turd. Like, really challenge yourself here. When was the last time you saw the turd of someone who does not live in your home with you? Think about it. Like, we have systems designed to get rid of our poop. You could go arguably a long time and maybe never see anyone but your own turd in this life. So why would it be weird not to find a Bigfoot turd? Like, I don't find deer leavings every time I go out. But Dr. Johnson found some. Dr. Johnson, or Dr. J as he's called among the squatching community, that's people who go looking for these things. He is a doctor of psychology who began for hunting for Bigfoots in 2000 after he and his wife had a close counter. See, the encounters tell the story. They change you. He hasn't really put out much since his 2016 uh, Bigfoot poop finding, as far as I can tell. He's written a few books. But I gotta say, this Bigfoot turd is huge. And that's because the Bigfoot is big. You can see it in the video. We'll stick that in the description down below for you to go watch him make this discovery of this Bigfoot turd. But yeah, if I found this in the woods, if I found a turd that long in the woods... I'd think it was an animal I'd have did not want to encounter. Like, 
imagine you're camping. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I want to take a moment here before the closing of the show. I want to read a, a, uh, a listener email sent in uh, by a friend of the show and former guest, Jude Dominey. Um, Jude Dominey wrote me back in August. Sorry, Jude. Um, I was looking for the right time to share this, and I figured a moment about Bigfoot would be fitting. Um, but Jude wrote to the show he, at privycast at gmail.com. You can send your emails to privycast at gmail.com. Jude writes, so camping bathrooms. Here I am in the bathroom at, camp, at a campsite. It's one of those bathrooms that has the bottomless pit you sit above and drop your waist into. Nice. Um, the cesspit, or as we talked about in last episode, the bog house, if you will. Now, Jude says he's done the deed. He's done. And I like to imagine that Jude is typing his email to us here at Privy while he is still laying down post poop. He's done the deed, but rut row raggy. There's no paper to wipe thine bottom clean. What do I suggest he do in this situation? Well, Jude, you've written the right show, and, and it's, it's great to have heard from you. I trust mostly because I've seen you since then, but also because, well, what do I suggest? You've already got the pit figured out, so you got the pit. Now, I don't know if you have a hike, but if there's no hiking that needs to be done, Jude, I suggest this. You have a sock, and it's time to use it. Now, you're going to get at least three wipes out of this sock. The first is you're going full over the hand and you're going to wipe from wrist all the way to finger. You're going to get a long wipe on that job. And that is because we want to use the most of our sock as we can. Then, of course, you're going to flip it inside out and you're going to wipe once with the top if you can and once with the bottom if you can. And by then, if your butt is not dry enough, unfortunately, you have to go sock number two. Now, the sock can go in the hole, but if there is a trash receptacle, I recommend you throw it in there instead. It, it'll serve in a pinch. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry that happened to you, Jude. Um, I trust you sorted it out. If you would like to fill us in on how you solved your toilet paper debacle. Oh, wait. <clears throat> There's a postscript here on the email. More information. A new challenger is approaching. Oh, is that a bus I see? Let's see. Yep. Looks like the bus is parking. Oh, my goodness. Who's that? Jude, Jude's throwing somebody under the bus. Who is that? Oh, look. It's his little sister, Hosanna. He says, P.S. Hosanna took the last of the toilet paper. So it's her fault for this predicament. Case closed. Hosanna, if you use the last toilet paper, you replace it. And if you can't replace it, you walk out and you tell camp, hey, I used the last of the TP. We got to sort this out before somebody, poor Jude in this case, gets caught with their beef hanging out and nothing to clean it with. So, I don't know, Hosanna, I don't know if you listen to this. So, if you don't, figure it out. But, uh, Jude, thank you for writing us. You can write us at privycast at gmail.com as well. And remember, Jude, while out camping, be careful for encountering Bigfoots and if not as bad, but probably still just as striking Bigfoot poop. If you found a turd in the woods that long, I would not think that it was an animal. The answer is, as creepy as this Bigfoot is, turns out, just like Jude, they do poop. That brings us to another 
End of episode of Privy. That's the worst way I could say that sentence, but I refuse to go back and do it. Thank you so much for listening. We love having you here, uh, and it, it means a lot that you listen to the show. If you would, take a minute, open up your podcatcher of choice. If it's Apple Podcasts, feel free to go to the show, scroll down, and click one of those stars. The five-star option is the preferred. And if you're really feeling the, the love tonight, as the kids say, hit that little square righty pencil box and write us a review. We'll read it here on the show. I promise. If you're, on, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and click one of those stars. The five-star options are preferred. I'll give you a minute. Perfect. This is the Dora the Explorer version of the end of the show. You can follow us on social media at PrivyCast. Tread lightly on the TikTok. You know how it is. As I said, you can email us. I won't repeat it again. It's in the doodly bopper below here. As always, we'd love to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of Barroom Ballet. As our intro and outro music, you can find Kevin's music at Incompetech.com. His music is licensed under Creative Commons License Attribution 4.0. Thanks, Kevin. We would also like to thank Poddington Bear for the use of all the colors in the world as the Hunter's Anecdote intro and outro music. You can find Poddington Bear's music at PoddingtonBear.com. Thanks, Poddington. This has been another episode of Privy. Thank you so much for joining us. Love y'all, and as always, don't forget to flush. Flush.